Blog Talk Radio. Okay, this is Amy Peekoff, and uh, this is Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the September 27th edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the show where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, objectivism. That's the philosophy behind the uniquely American sense of life, the sense of life of those who believe we have the right to life, liberty, and most importantly, the pursuit of your own individual happiness. Joining me soon in the studio will be cartoonist Bosch Boston, but as you have seen today, the title of today's show is Ted Cruz, Is He the Guy? And I don't know if you recognize that clip that I just played at the beginning here, but that was a clip from the movie Night and Day where the character played by Tom Cruise, I can't even remember the character's name right now, they say, I'm the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy. So this is you know the, the joke running around. Is, is Ted Cruz the guy? That's where we got the title of today's show. So let me give you a little background of what's been going on today. If you haven't been watching the news and you haven't been thoroughly depressed the way I have, showcasing their tremendous powers of evasion, their superhuman powers of evasion, the Senate voted 79 to 19 for cloture. So even though Ted Cruz spoke for 21-plus hours detailing how horrible Obamacare is and explaining why a vote for cloture is a vote for Obamacare, nonetheless, the Senate voted 79 to 19 for cloture on this continuing resolution, the one that came from the House, the one that defunds Obamacare. Earlier today, as I was uh, writing my little intro, the Senate was voting to remove the language in the House continuing resolution that defunded Obamacare. I don't know what the final vote on that was. I suspect that it was along party lines. I think that's what I've, I've read since then. But so, you know, what do we want to do for today's show? We can't have a victory celebration of any kind, although maybe there will still be victory in the long term. It depends on what the House does in the coming days. Yes, the next opportunity for the GOP to disappoint us is when this goes back to the House and the House can decide whether to stand firm and actually, oh my gosh, horrible, allow the government to shut down. Horrible, right, if the government shuts down. I think if you want to see the uh, consequences of a government shutdown. I thought Sonny Lohman did a really nice job of explaining what would happen. It was, you know, the propaganda for the Park Service that had to do with whether Muslims were uh, being looked at funny or something. There was some video that's not going to be funded anymore. Uh, you know, art that has to do with peeing on Jesus or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of wonderful things that the government does, right? We don't want that to to shut down. I would love to see – I mean, I think every so often there should be a so-called government shutdown because what do they do? They strip it to the essential services. And even so, they're still sending out Social Security checks and other things like that, right? But what we'll see is that life goes on. 
that people can live and be productive and happy without all of these supposed essential or needed government functions. I mean, I think that's what people learn when there's a government shutdown, that we are okay, that we can do fine without so much of what our government does today. I'd like to see the GOP stand firm and let that happen and see if they can push this a bit, get the one-year delay or whatever it is that they're calling for on Obamacare, get that to happen. And I think they could get it to happen if they stood up. Will they? Especially after today with the 79-19 vote, I'm not very hopeful because, you know, and, and we were talking about this last week when we were talking about the defunders versus Goliath. You know, Boehner, yeah, you say bravo to Boehner for doing what he did, for putting together this vote, uh, you know, for this continuing resolution that defunds Obamacare. But you don't give him too much credit. Why? Because they all think it's going to ultimately fail. They're ultimately going to have to fund the government, including Obamacare. They're going to give in anyway. They're going to raise the debt ceiling. They're going to do all this stupid stuff they've all, you know. But they're just, they, the way they saw it, they were making a little bit more of a statement than all of those votes to repeal Obamacare that never went anywhere. That That's that's really all they've done. So, I, you know, I'm I'm not that hopeful, unfortunately. The thing that is really good that has come out of this week and the thing that I want to celebrate today is the fact that we have a politician in the U.S. Senate, and we have several, right? We, have, we did have 19 people, 18 people who stood with Ted Cruz, and we saw several of them literally stand with Ted Cruz the other night during his 21-hour effective filibuster, not technical filibuster, but effectively that's what it was. And we saw a bunch of them stand with him. So we see these people who are willing to stand up against socialized medicine, some of them more or less in a principled way. And the bonus is that Ted Cruz read several passages from Ayn Rand's work in the process. Now, is it so important that he reads Ayn Rand? I, I think it's, nice, it's, it's a historical thing to see Ayn Rand read extensively on the Senate floor, especially he heartily recommended people go out and buy Atlas Shrugged, as we'll, as we'll see in a minute. I'll play a clip for you. But, uh, you know, is it so important that somebody actually read from Ayn Rand? No, we'd rather just see the ideas actually be put into action in our government. But it is it is a first step, and, and there are, there's much evidence that he has been tremendously influenced and improved by his exposure uh, to and his admiration for her work. So I, I think that is something wonderful. But there were other things in the filibuster that were impressive. I was listening and, and commenting on it well before he even started uh, quoting Ayn Rand, and I remember it was some ridiculous like 12 hours into it or something. And he's explaining some of the technicalities about the legislation 12 hours into a filibuster. And if you watch clips, and I've seen little montage clips where, you know, you say, okay, here he is at the beginning, here he is at the middle of the filibuster, here he is towards the end, and he sounds just as eloquent completely throughout, you know. Here's, here's a man, I mean, most of us, I think I lose the ability to speak eloquently almost, you know, beginning of the show. No, not really, but, you know, I, I try, and this is a live impromptu show. That's that's the nature of the beast. But here's a man who can go on for 21 hours speaking eloquently. Some people commented, they said, does he ever say the word, um? You know how we do. We all say, um, um, fill up that space, um, um. He doesn't do it. He is so impressive, and the people make the usual teleprompter jokes because, you know, Barack Obama, he didn't do 
a filibuster, even though he said he was, you know, so strongly in favor of this or against that. Did he ever do a filibuster like Ted Cruz did? No. And people were joking. They don't have teleprompters that go on that long. They probably do. But I don't think that he'd want to work that hard. I don't think Obama would ever work that hard. Ted Cruz did amazingly. You know, as I tweeted a couple times, I said, you know, I want some of what they're having. Whatever Cruz and Lee were having that kept them going at that high a level for 21 hours, I want it. Anyway, if you want to join in and you want to talk about Ted Cruz, the Senate Republicans, please join in today. Call 760-888-5817. Or you can join in join in at the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio. Some people are chiming in there as well. Uh, Robert NYC says he wishes that Ted Cruz had read Dr. Hendricks' speech from Atlas. That's as timely, yes, for sure, as any other part of it. And I agree. I mean, you, you can quibble with his selections for sure. Uh, I think his selections weren't bad, especially in the second chunk that I'll play with you later, but we'll see that. I do have a call already. If you do want to call and comment, make sure to hit the little one or whatever it is that Blog Talk Radio tells you to do to tell me that you have a question or a comment. We'll go ahead and put you on the air live. So if you want to see all of the clips and follow along the articles that we're going to talk about, go over to don'tletitgo.com where I post program notes, links to all the clips. I've got the link to the little Tom Cruise clip. And uh, here we go, first of all, into our first news story. All I've been able to find so far are stories that talk about the actual numbers of the votes, not the names of the Senate Republicans who caved on this. Uh, I've got a Brenner brief, which is over at the Washington Times. Sarah Marie Brenner writes for them over there. And she says, the Senate has successfully voted in support of a cloture bill that defunds Obamacare, which moves the legislation forward in the Senate. Following that vote, the Senate also voted in the affirmative to an amendment to fund Obamacare and the continuing resolution with this funding passed. Uh, supermajority of 79 to 19, the senators agreed to end the debate. And the ones who voted against closure, okay, these are the good guys. Mike Crapo of Idaho, Ted Cruz, of course, Mike Enzi, Deb Fisher, Nebraska, Charles Grassley, Iowa, Dean Heller, Nevada, James Inhofe of Oklahoma, Mike Lee of Utah, Jerry Moran of Kansas, Rand Paul, Kentucky, Rob Portman, Ohio, James Risch, Idaho, Pat Roberts, Kansas, Marco Rubio, Florida, Tim Scott, South Carolina, Jeff Sessions, Alabama, Richard Shelby, Alabama, Patrick Toomey, Pennsylvania, and David Vitter, Louisiana. All the other Republican senators voted to support the cloture and move the bill forward. Bastards, as I wrote on Facebook. You know, normally I don't like to swear, but... The powers of evasion. I don't, I don't know if I could do today's show. That's that's about where you are? Yeah. Yeah. What it means I'm going to curse. Yeah, I told him I don't want to curse. I want this to be a family show. Uh, welcome, welcome, Bosch. This is cartoonist Bosch Foston, for those of you who don't welcome, know him. I mean, thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah, you want to put your headphones on? Yep. <laughs> I think he's like half here. He doesn't really want to. I, I, I don't blame him. I think really you guys, you should call up and, and give us a little... Uh, a little cover here, 760-888-5817. It's going to be hard. Although, like I said, what I'd like to do is turn this into a celebration of Cruz and the fact that there is at least one politician in the Senate 
who is a prime mover and who argues for the right side of the issue on principle. And simply uh, who might be an actual decent uh, human being. Besides being a great man and all that, just a decent human being. That's what contrasts you when you go into, into the hellhole of the Senate and Washington in general. To be a decent human being, you are going to be enemy number one. Yeah, and, that, and that's what he said. It, it was interesting. People gave him a lot of credit, and I, I do as well, for him not naming particular people, you know, doing a lot of personal attacks and stuff. He, didn't, he didn't do any during didn't, his but, filibuster. But in one sense, he at large oh, yeah. uh, condemned them all. Yes. At, at large, yeah. which you ought to. Yeah, and and he revealed what they try to do so eloquently. He said, look, this is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to vote for cloture, and then they're going to vote against the amendment that's going to remove the defunding language. So then they're going to pretend that they voted against funding Obamacare. Yeah. But effectively, because of the fact that in in the Senate, the Republicans have a minority. They have a filibuster-proof right. minority, yes, they do. which they could have used. They could have. And that's what Ted Cruz helped to educate Americans about the other night during his, you know, in, not real filibuster, his uh, phony filibuster. But yeah, yeah, quote-unquote phony filibuster. But the government whores on the left and right, they want to maintain Obamacare. They want to maintain it all. Uh, and this is what they're doing. And they, you know, Cruz gave us a heads up in one sense because some people, a lot of people watching, maybe didn't know about that. These guys are, are going to pull this. It's a well, fast and, one. and I can't believe the stuff that they were pulling. So, for example, the other day on Wednesday, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. So he did his right. his filibuster between Tuesday and Wednesday, yes. and then it was Wednesday at noon, or actually it was it was. 11:30. Harry Harry Reid starts coming in, trying to you know see if he can end it early and give some time to uh, yeah. you know McCain and stuff. They just wanted to to kind of finagle in Absolutely. on on uh, on Cruz's time. It's like throw some water, quick, yeah. throw some water on this because this was uh, epic, and they knew it. And they're like, uh oh, let's let's just knock him out quick. Right. Of course, they couldn't right. do it. He owned the day. And then, and then what did they do? They had a vote, and the vote was on consideration, to a vote to consider this continuing resolution from the House. Everybody voted 100% yes. in favor, including Ted Cruz. And people CNN. at CNN, Three people guys at CNN they said, who surprise. supposedly knew better, they, they were saying that Ted Cruz was a hypocrite yep. because now he voted – to fund Obamacare, which and, is ridiculous. Yes. And not only that, but some uh, other piece of crap, uh, Senator Bob Corker. I think Bob Corker, anyway, um, he, he he tried the, the same thing. He goes, in the first time in uh, history, uh, someone had a filibuster and went to a com- completely opposite of what they were filibustering against and voted for that. And Cruz, very politely, had to remind him three or four times that, that wasn't the case and this is what, you know, what it was. And uh, I had someone on Facebook try to put that on my wall. Do not know what they're voting for? No, I think some of them actually do, but they're playing dumb. So that way they can go to their constituents. So I, I thought, I'm, uh, what? You know what I mean? They're rats. They're rats. And, and, uh, and uh, Ted Cruz exposed them more than ever. Whether they're dumb or they're playing dumb, these guys need to be voted out. That's all That's all you can say. I guess, you know, someone's bringing up uh, Dick Turbin. You can call him Ick Turbin, Dick Turbin, whatever. Dick Burka. But uh, I was going to say about about yeah, there was someone on my wall who claims to, to be a fan of Iron Man, maybe objectivist, who said, "See about that CNN story." 
And, you know, once I responded to someone, if you're going to fall for that crap, I mean, just, you know, get out of there. I mean, really, honestly, don't come anywhere near my wall if you're going to fall for CNN's crap, which which well, they knew better. And they still reported it on their actual official page. It's just, to me, it's just, it's incredible the lengths they're willing to go to. I mean, we know they're lying rats, but still, everyone knows that wasn't the case. I mean, you, you think, okay, well, misinformation, we get misinformation from the mainstream media, but that is that was, ridiculous. <laughs> and you know what? And I checked to see if it was still up. It's still up. Two, three days later, it's still up. That's the that's the killer also. And I looked in the, in the uh, comments. No one contradicted. No one said, wait a minute. What the hell are you talking about? It, this is the case. No one was there. Maybe at the way bottom, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into that kind of sewer. Well, as if CNN will allow the comments to be read as well. Uh, what do you, what do you Someone's oh the, the, no but they haven't pushed the thing I'm sorry oh yeah no because I just I just tweeted out there I said you know call in it's live vent whatever please just let's just get this out there yeah feel free to call in and vent now here is Ted Cruz's statement in reaction to today's cloture vote he says today's vote by Senator Harry Reid and the Senate Democrats to fully fund Obamacare was yet the latest example of Washington not listening to the people. Obamacare is a train wreck, a nightmare, to use the words of its Democratic author and a union leader who previously supported the bill. It is the biggest job killer in America. And then, here's Cruz, he says, as Teamsters President James Hoffa explained in a letter to Senator Harry Reid and Representative Nancy Pelosi, Obamacare is hurting, quote, millions of working men and women and the families they support. And it, quote, will destroy the very health and well-being of our members, along with millions of other hardworking Americans, end quote. This is what I'm talking about by evasion. They already have evidence that Obamacare is hurting people. Supposedly, they have this legislation to help people, right? Oh, we're going to help all Americans. We're going to help people be able to be artists and entrepreneurs and individuals and stuff and, and have policies. People who were already existing as freelance artists, computer programmers, entrepreneurs, photographers, whatever they were. I've heard from them. In California, their individual plans are being canceled. They're being forced to take uneconomical policies from Obamacare. Because what do you want to do? A lot of us, you know, we just want to have a catastrophic plan. We want to spend some money on insurance, but we don't want insurance to be a quarter of our budget or whatever it is that's going to be once you, know, once you buy a plan under Obamacare that, oh, you get so much value. Well, I'm buying more health care than I wanted to buy, or I'm buying more insurance about health care than I wanted to buy. So it's it's a disaster. It is going to ruin the health care industry as well because of the regulations and controls on that industry. And, I mean, Ted Cruz was so eloquent, and he quoted – Statistic after statistic, yeah. anecdote after anecdote. He talked about the opinions he of was economists. A I mean, he was an absolute machine. Oh. And, you know, one thing I I, uh, I thought about while watching him is, like, he's a stand-in for reality, a stand-in for the truth, and that's what they can't stand. I mean, if they've been avoiding reality and the truth their entire careers, these, these career politicians. And they look at him like, oh, God, stop reminding us of what we've been trying to avoid. I mean, exactly. please. Exactly, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Today... Voting 79 to 19 in the that Senate, is, that is superhuman powers of evasion. Absolutely, it's unbelievable. Or subhuman, subhuman powers of I evasion. Guess. I guess that's how I should have put it. We've got a call, so we're going to go ahead and take it here. Let's see who we got. Hi, who's this? Hello, you're on the air. 
Okay. I don't hear anybody. Okay. Maybe try again, or maybe they had their mute button on. Uh, we can maybe try again in a minute. If you are in the chat room, whoever you were who was calling, go ahead and tell us whether you, you were having some sort of equipment malfunction that could be fixed here. So, um, so what happens here? Then, then when you know Ted Cruz does focus on the fact that Obama has granted exemptions and rewritten parts of this law to exempt With certain buddies. special interest groups, including the legislators themselves. But here's here's the quote from Cruz: President Obama has granted exemptions for big business and members of Congress, but Senate Democrats refused to grant the American people the same exemption. Instead, they used political power to maintain their privileged position while doing nothing to respond to the pleas of millions of Americans. He says, "But this fight continues. Now the bill returns to the House. The House showed remarkable courage." voting to defund Obamacare, and I hope and believe that the House will stand by their resolve and continue to lead the effort to stop the Obamacare train wreck. And then he goes on to say how it's killing jobs, etc. And then he says, too many Republicans joined Harry Reid in giving the Democrats the ability to fund Obamacare. He says, when the bill comes back to the Senate, when the House yet again stands for principle and fights for the American people, I very much hope that the Senate Republicans will rise to the challenge, etc., you know, the Senate is really bad, 79 to 19. And, and and what this highlights is the necessity, I think, for amending the Constitution along yes. the lines suggested by Mark Levin and going back and selecting senators according to the legislatures Absolutely. of the state. Because now they're truly representatives of the state, of the big state, of the federal government. They go, they go from, from, from Washington to their... I guess states, and then they basically they sell what Washington wants. They don't go from the people to Washington to uh, represent them in any way. And if you think about, it, I mean, you know, Ted Cruz, yeah, he's a senator from uh, from Texas. He was representing all Americans, all all Americans. He was he was acting like a, like a president. He was acting like a leader that we haven't seen in years. And that's what really uh, I think resonated with with uh, with Americans. It's like this is a guy. Who sounds like us in a sense where I mean he's a lot more articulate than, than than a lot of us, but who loves the country he's a patriot through and through you could tell, and uh he you know again to read Ayn Rand as much as he did well, and he's just very matter of fact and open about open, his values. absolutely he he's he's unabashed in his uh, admiration of Rand he says one of my all time heroes Ayn let's, Rand let's go ahead and and let yeah. let him uh, let him speak for himself. One thing I wanted to say before we go into the clip. We've got Jonathan Honig in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, and he yes. was talking about Cruz's heroism, yep. the heroism about his on-the-floor responses to <laughs> Dick Turbin. He doesn't even yep. want to type the, the first name, but that is his name, and Harry Reid, even after 13-plus hours on his feet. Yep. Yeah, and when he, and fa- later. when he faced Harry Reid, it was nearly 21 yes. hours on his feet, and Very he impressive. was Excellent. I mean, but, I, you know, the, the, we'll we'll read a little bit more about his response to Durbin later. The thing that was so brilliant, apparently, is something that I ended up missing a, a little clip out of. Because, you know, he goes on and on with Durbin, came back and did the same thing twice. twice. And I think he was doing it just to try oh, yeah. to catch him. No but he was trying to say to Cruz, oh, well, you've got the cushy policy that we all do. And Cruz doesn't participate in the plan. Right. So the gotcha we wouldn't have didn't known, work. We wouldn't have known that but for the piece uh, you know what asking Cruz right. about that or right. or trying to get do a big gotcha. And Cruz exposed 
the rep for what he is and said, actually, I'm not involved with this. Let's, I'm not in on it like you and the rest. Let me find the uh, the clip here. I got to go to a certain point in the in the long, long video. There's a whole bunch of long videos yeah. of the remarks at FreedomWorks Live on, on UStream. Did they and, uh, they they did well. They didn't isolate okay. little chunks, but they're they're in segments. I think basically you can only put like three hours at a shot, and then you have to go on and on. So the clip that I have linked to at DontLetItGo.com, you go to 148, about 148.50 or so, if you can get there in a precise way. But here we go. This is Ted Cruz talking about Atlas Shrugged. I'd like to share a few excerpts from one of my favorite books, Atlas Shrugged. Oops, sorry. I gotta have to rewind a little. Let me encourage any of you Here. who have not read uh, Atlas Shrugged to go tomorrow buy Atlas Shrugged and read. Well. Yeah. What's interesting is in the last three years, my understanding is sales of Atlas Shrugged. Should I rewind that, boss? Do we have a little no, glitch? Let's go. Because we are living in the. Let me let me let me get it back. Just let go. me get it back. Let me get it back. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. It's a train wreck. Okay. Here we go. One, one forty-eight. Yeah. Dangerous, dangerous Rubicon that we have crossed. Oh no. And, you know, we're a nation. Sorry, we're having a glitch here. One second. There we go. Dangerous, dangerous. Nope. It keeps glitching on me. Okay, try that. Dangerous, dangerous. Nope, it won't do it. Sorry, you have to listen to a little bit extra, guys. And, you know, we're a nation that was founded on liberty. Always defend liberty. You know, you really can't go wrong with that as a motto. In the interest of that, I'd like to share a few excerpts from one of my favorite books, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Now, let me encourage any of you who have not read Atlas Shrugged to go tomorrow, buy Atlas Shrugged, and read it. What's interesting is in the last three years, my understanding is sales of Atlas Shrugged have exploded because we are living in the days of Ayn Rand. So I just want to share a few excerpts that are all fundamentally about liberty and the liberty that Obamacare infringes. Productiveness is your acceptance of morality, your recognition of the fact that you choose to live, that productive work is the process by which man's consciousness controls his existence, one's purpose, of translating an idea into physical form. There was a skip of there. Of remaking the earth in the image of one's values. That all work is creative work if done by a thinking mind. And no work is creative if done by a blank who repeats in an uncritical stupor a routine he has learned from others. That your work is yours to choose and the choice is as wide as your mind. That nothing more is possible. That to cheat your way into a it job bigger than your skipping. mind can handle. Just stop it. it keeps giving Oh, that's horrible. Just that's horrible. Do two people calling them. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of people calling that do want to try and chime anyway, in on this. Check it out. It's do, all over yeah, the place. Yeah, do check out the link. And the, Earlier it was working a also, lot more smoothly. Also, um, a friend of mine got together when he was reading from the Fountainhead and Ellis Shrugged back to back. I'm going I'm to play that one, and that one's a yeah. better clip. That's, yeah. that's a much better clip. Why don't we actually go to that clip yeah. first? Uh, anyway, in this particular excerpt, which you can find, like I said, go to 148.50 or whatever at don'tletitgo.com. I have the link right there. And uh, you'll see that he quotes from the passage on productivity and he quotes on the passage about morality. 
and he applies it to his fellow senators. He applies it to what is going on with Obamacare. Now, what are people here staying in the uh, the chat room? Oh, State Defiance in the chat room thought I was going to play the green eggs and ham. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I thought no. that was great. He read it for his daughters for as a good night. That was just great. That was so American, you know. Well, and then what? You know, the people who don't like this defunding strategy. They were making all kinds of hay about oh, it. Like, oh, the Senate is reduced to reading uh-huh. green eggs and ham. Look, it's a filibuster. Yeah. You're going to read some stuff that's a little bit fun here and there, interspersed between the serious. I think you have to do that to go on for 21 hours for anyone to, to watch it and listen to it as well. But let's go ahead and get the audio from the second excerpt. You know, the, 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 the first set of excerpts there, the ones on productivity and morality, a little bit more abstract and I think a little bit more awkward in the applications that he was trying to make. But the ones that he read later in the morning, actually, I liked a little bit better. This is from Robert Nasir. So go ahead and see uh, if we can hear this well. And by an idea. Okay. Also from the fountainhead, no speech is ever considered, but only the speaker. It's much e- It's so much easier to pass judgment on a man than on an idea. Mr. President, that particular quote, I think, more than anything is addressed to our friends in the media. I want to read it again. No speech is ever considered but only the speaker. It is so much easier to pass judgment on a man than on an idea. Mr. President, I, like every member in this body, am a flawed human being, a man of many imperfections. A reporter wants to write on those imperfections. There's no shortage of material. But as long as they're writing on those, they're not talking about the ideas. As long as they're writing about the personalities, they're not talking about the American people that are suffering. As long as they're writing about the personalities, about the politics and the back and forth and the game playing and the insults and all of the nonsense, they are not talking about the millions of Americans who are desperate for greater opportunity, desperate for a job, desperate to work to provide for their families, desperate to hold on to their health insurance. We've read letter after letter after letter of real people, real live people, who are losing their health insurance. Another quote, fight for the value of your person, fight for the virtue of your pride, fight for the essence of that which is man, for his sovereign rational mind. Fight with the radiant certainty and absolute rectitude of knowing that yours is the morality of life and that yours is the battle for any achievement, any value, any grandeur, any goodness, any joy that has ever existed on this earth. Another from the fountainhead. Throughout the centuries, there were men who took first steps down new roads, armed with nothing but their own vision. Their goals differed, but they all had this in common, that the step was first the road knew the vision unborrowed and the response they received hatred the great creators the thinkers the artists the scientists the inventors stood alone against the men of their time every great new thought was opposed every great new invention was denounced the first motor was considered foolish the airplane was considered impossible the power loom was considered vicious anesthesia was considered sinful but the men of unborrowed vision went ahead they fought they suffered and they paid but they won Mr. President, let me suggest that quote speaks directly to the millions of Americans who are speaking up right now, who are saying, Washington says we can't stop Obamacare. Washington says we have to accept this train wreck, this nightmare, there's nothing we can do. 
And yet the message, Ms. Rand says, is that if the American people stand up together, if they believe in their vision, together, we can make D.C. listen. And indeed, also from Atlas Shrugged, in terms of the divide we see in this body, Ms. Rand observed, this one's there are good. two sides to every issue. One good. side is right and the other is wrong. But the middle is always evil. The man who is wrong still retains some respect for the truth, if only by accepting the responsibility of choice. But the man in the middle is the knave who blanks out the truth in order to pretend that no choice or values exist, who is willing to sit out the course of any battle, willing to cash in on the blood of the innocent, or just crawl on his belly to the guilty, who dispenses justice by condemning both the robber and the robbed to jail, who solves conflicts by ordering the thinker and the fool to meet each other halfway. Mr. President, I would suggest that comment speaks volumes to this dispute. As we observed during the middle of the, the, this debate, there are some members of the Democratic Conference, indeed one we discussed, with Senator Sanders from Vermont, who openly embraces his ideals. Indeed, there was a time when he ran for public office, not as a Democrat, but as a socialist. Now, Mr. Sanders and I agree on very little when it comes to public policy. But I will say this, I respect his fidelity to his principles. I respect the honesty with which he embraces them. And as I observed earlier in this proceedings, I would far rather a Senate with 10 Bernie Sanders and 10 Mike Lees to a Senate where the views, the actual commitments are blurred by obfuscation. When it comes to the Republican side of the aisle, there are some senators who have been quite open in saying they don't think we can defund Obamacare. And I would respect any Republican senator who says, I'm convinced we can't do this, and therefore I'm voting for cloture because we can't do it, and so I'm voting against it. <clears throat> I don't agree with that. I think that is a defeatist philosophy. But it's an honest philosophy. I would suggest, Mr. President, it's far different for a Republican to say, I'm going to vote for cloture. I'm going to vote to give Harry Reid and 51 Democrats the ability to fund Obamacare in its entirety with no amendments, no changes whatsoever. But at the same time, I'm going to go to my constituents and say, I fully, I enthusiastically support defunding Obamacare. Indeed, I'm leading the fight. Mr. President, that is not being honest with the American people. If we are to listen to the people, part of listening to the people is being honest with the people. Part of listening to the people. Okay, and that is the clip. So thank you to Robert Nasir. I guess I heard him clear his throat a little Uh towards the end of that clip. Thank you so much for recording that because I did not get a a good recording of that at all. So I, I appreciate that. Now, a few things in there. First of all, I love how he says, you know, that you have to separate the attacks on the person from the ideas. So this yep. has, of course, been going on throughout the whole yep. fight. Yep. And 
people who are supposedly his allies in the mm-hmm. Republican Party have attacked him as a person. They say he's only going after his own fame, et cetera. Yep. Uh, when he talked about unborrowed vision, you know, from from the Fountainhead, the from Rourke's speech, and he talks about the fact that the American people are showing unborrowed vision by getting together. I, th- I thought that application was a little bit strained. But moreover, if you talk about this idea of, of you know, here is Ted Cruz. He is the visionary with respect to how could you stop Obamacare now after they rammed it down our throats along a party line vote with the Democrats, right? After all the court challenges failed because of Roberts on the Supreme Court defaulting on his duty to uphold the Constitution. After, you know, we lost and lost at every turn. Here is someone with a vision who says, look, we can still prevent this from happening, yeah. and here's how. Nobody thought it could happen. There is a way this could happen. It is true. There are Republicans, and the, the will or the backbone of Republicans standing in his way right now, the lack of will, the lack yes. of backbone. That's what's standing in his way right now. So here he's got this tremendous talent, ability, and vision. And the remark I had the other day was how horrible that this, Vision, this unborrowed vision, this ability to innovate and create has to be used to fight these bastards versus innovate as Howard Rourke did in the yes. Fountainhead. I think that, I think that's horrible. And I love the the idea of him bringing in about uh, you know compromise. One side is right, one side is wrong. The middle right. is always evil. And uh, I think he could you know his colleagues could learn a lot from him. We have a few calls. I'm going to go ahead and try and see who we've got hanging on here. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Hi, Debbie. So hey, Debbie. were you able to watch some of this filibuster? I actually was, yeah. I, I had taken a couple days off work for a trip, and at the day that I got back was uh, basically really early that, the morning of that day. So I got to watch quite a bit of it, um, way more than I otherwise would have. And I really was... Um, <clears throat> pretty blown away by it. I thought it was really heroic and I just appreciated it so much. I didn't think that there was hardly any chance that it was going to accomplish the, you know, the actual main goal of getting Obamacare defunded. I just, I know how those mainstream Republicans are, the establishment. I knew they were going to... Well, it it might be too soon to, you know, kind of discount that because you know his purpose there the narrow purpose of course was to try to unify the republicans in the senate via motivating the american people to put pressure on them that's what he was doing but at the same time i think it also through informing the american people about the plan and how it could work we understand that this goes back to the house that the ball is in the house's court the house gop still has the power to defund Obamacare. They just refuse to pass any continuing resolution that includes funding for Obamacare. They could do it time and time and time again. So I think there's still hope. Like I said, yeah, he would have liked for the Senate Republicans to join him, defeat the cloture vote, and put the pressure there. But they can still do it via the House if, if Boehner... You know, we'll go along with it, basically. Which is very yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I um, I, I'm I'm just happy to see him doing it. You know, just to see someone standing up and really sincerely fighting. fighting for a victory now. 
you know, instead of all this, like, symbolic votes and all that garbage, like we get out of the house or out of people like McConnell, who are just a joke, and just to see someone actually passionately fighting, even though I didn't think that there was really any chance that in the Senate, you know, was going to change the way they voted, that in itself just really made me happy and gave me a bit of hope. And right. also to see him reading the uh, Atlas Shrugged on the Senate floor, that was really awesome. You know, the the way the way I thought about it was that when I was watching him, I had in my mind, maybe for the first time in, in quite a long time at least, that there is hope that our government yeah. will actually be a government that protects rights exactly. sometime during my lifetime. Yes. Sometime during yeah, my lifetime. Actually- we might have a government that protects our rights. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I felt the same way, and it was really. And that's I'm too sorry, much to ask for. Almost. No, 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 it seems it sounds like it's too much to ask for these days. But he does absolutely give us hope. Hope. I made I made a poster about it. You know, uh, true hope. And for the record, also, I made I made a cartoon quoting him when he started. He says, uh, "Until I cannot stand anymore." And Slate Magazine, the leftist rag, they uh, linked mm-hmm. to it. And I got a ton of traffic, thousands and thousands of, of uh, people coming to my blog, and I, and I realized a lot of uh, government agencies, literally. So well, they read that. And, right. and, and, and Slate made fun of this, right? And a, and, a, and a lot of people have poo-pooed the whole effort. But he, here's the other – I mean, there, there's, a, there's a couple points, and I've made one of them at least before, probably both of them. Uh, one of them is, well, if this – fails in whatever way you want to talk about it strategically it, it fails you they actually don't defund or they end up defunding or the government shut down and people get mad if people get mad mm-hmm. about what ted cruz is trying <laughs> to do here yeah. then we are way worse off yeah. than anybody thought anyway and this idea that we're going to elect anybody who's halfway decent and defeat obamacare that way when we're that bad off it is a is a joke. And then the other thing is suppose we are that bad off, right? Suppose we're so bad off that there's only, you know, a very small minority of us who are getting spiritual fuel from somebody like Ted Cruz, you know, showing us that there might be somebody in the government who actually wants to protect our rights, you know, heaven forbid. Uh to me I say, well, let them be damned, right? We do need to see something have to. in the real world out there that Must. is going on where somebody's actually fighting to do something that can be done on behalf of protecting our rights. And and here's a guy doing it. I I found it tremendously inspiring. I was I was really happy. It's nice, you know, icing on the cake for him to read from Ayn Rand, of course, and, and, and Ed in the chat room remarked and I think that it's right that this is I think the first time yes. that anything from Atlas Shrugged was ever read on the Senate floor. Certainly it was the first time that somebody on the Senate floor said go out and buy Atlas yes. Shrugged and read it. Yeah. An ad for Atlas Shrugged, right? But I mean it it's it's inspiring not just because he did it but also because he understands it and because the understanding would lead to him fighting for a government that actually protects our rights. And just, you know, one thing, one, one, one concrete simple thing about the difference between him and Rand Paul, I, I mean, uh, Paul Ryan. Remember Paul Ryan attributed, uh, basically said, Ayn Rand is the reason I got into public office. And then he basically threw her under the bus to, to become VP. And he hasn't said a peep about her since, and he's been diminished as, as a leader. I mean, no one, no, one, no one remembers him. And you got uh, Ted Cruz, senator, a sitting senator, 
going out there completely unabashedly saying he admires Randy is one of his all-time heroes. And, he, and he's religious. Well, one of his favorite he, books, he's yeah. He's religious. He was but that's kneeling, even more impressive. He was kneeling and praying today before yes, the was. vote. Yes, okay? you know, And that's, yeah. I mean, uh, whatever, as, as an atheist, yeah, it's, it is offensive, but I, I gotta say, at the same time, when when he stood is when we stood with him. He wants to do that as his own personal thing, but also it makes it even a little more impressive that he actually would read from Rand without any kind of hesitation, because no doubt his religious friends are like, wait a minute, you read from an atheist? What the hell are you doing? He, does, he doesn't care clearly. Right, right. He seems to not. Well, uh, go, go ahead, Deborah. We're talking over you. <laughs> well, I was just gonna add to that that just the fact that he believes in God, like that doesn't mean that that's really what is kind of what makes up his core. Like, yes. when I first discovered objectivism, I still believed in God. And yes. I just thought, like, oh, Ayn Rand was just wrong about that one thing, but she's so brilliant, so I'm going to keep reading it. And then eventually I changed my mind, and now I'm an atheist. So maybe that could happen with Cruz, too. I, you know, I, I, I doubt... I, I doubt he'll ever change my, his mind, and my goal is not for him to change his yes. mind. All I would love to see is to see him continue along the path that he's going. I did not hear, and anybody in the chat room or if you want to call in and let me know, I, I did not hear him talking about abortion. What I did hear one time is that he was mad that Obamacare was forcing Catholic hospitals and institutions to do things against their beliefs. And anybody who believes in private property would agree with him. You don't have to be religious yourself. And he talked about, well, if this can be done to people of this religious belief, it could be done to many. He is aware that we are out here, that we're atheists, and that we have the beliefs we do. I, As long as he isn't going to be pushing the social issues in any big way, if he, I don't care if he changes his mind on religion. I don't. I don't think it's going to have uh, uh, too much of an effect, especially in today's context. He is, and and Yaron has said this to Yaron Brook. He's the best, the best possible that you could expect. I think in Absolutely. today's context, and he's, he's actually better. I think than I expected. Yes. So he is. Um, I'm I'm thrilled. I always knew from day one. I mean, listen to Mark Levin, who endorsed him, who had him on a show. You know, you knew this guy was special. Mm -hmm. So something about him, and he just proves it again and again and again. Well, you know what, years gone what we will discuss in a few though. There's there's pieces that talk about you know is he just doing this for political gain and blah blah. Well, we'll, those are right. We'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about those people again. Right. Those people are actually projecting their own things. They would do this for show, but you know. But then again, if you do it for show, you can't stand there for 21 hours. You mean Obama never stood on the floor of the Senate and had a filibuster? Why? Because you need conviction for that. Because it, it takes too much hard work. Yes, it does. It exactly. He's, he's, he's a bum, yeah. which, which most dictators are, at least frustrated dictators. So, Deborah, anything else? I've got another caller I want to go try and uh, grab here. Yeah, just you just mentioned the people were accusing him of having some kind of just uh, kind of a shallow motive in doing this. But you know what? I think that he's really accomplished with this, and and the thing that. Makes me really happy about it, and, and why I'm not more upset about the the Obamacare issue not uh, working out the way that we wanted to in this particular instance. Is that I think that in the long term, one thing that he's really done here that's huge is to expose how awful and corrupt and just worthless most yeah. of the GOP is. I mean, they are just garbage, and yeah. he's really exposing them for that, and they know it too because I've heard of other Republicans screaming at him behind, yes. you know, off camera because their constituents are now seeing the contrast and they're saying, wait a minute, why aren't in, and now their constituents are demanding that they stand on principle. 
and they hate that because he's exposing them. But that's a really good thing. And I just yes. think that maybe in the longer run, maybe this could set him up for a presidential run. But even if not, maybe it'll just it's building momentum towards a trend where more people like that get in the Senate. And so maybe in another few election cycles or another couple election cycles, we'll have a lot more people like him and a lot fewer like Mitch McConnell. And, then, you know, just that would just point towards a much better direction. In the future. Now, you, you, so. you're talking about the longer run, and I don't think I have your patience. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking oh, Ted Cruz 2016 myself. Do you, I mean, that's what do, I'm thinking. Do you, think, you think he's the guy but not for the longer term? Is that it? Not until the longer term? I would, well, I would love to see him run in 2016, and I would definitely support that. I think it's a wonderful idea, but I'm just saying, regardless of what he does, yes. I think there's a certain momentum that's being established towards yeah. building uh, more of a coalition of people like him, regardless of right. whether he runs for president in 2016 or not. There's no going back at this point. It was it was too big, too loud, too clear. He stood with us on, on that level. Americans will not forget him. You, you know, we won't. We forget politicians easily. This, he will, we will not forget him. And uh, by the way, Chris Christie said, I will defeat him. You know, he said in 2016, I will defeat <laughs> him. <laughs> He's joking. That's not a real quote. That's, this is Bosch talking. Uh, Deborah, <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for, for calling in and uh, thanks for laughing at Bosch's latest pun. Wait, <laughs> I'll like, love this pun. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Now, listen, I want to actually uh, add to something that, that um, Deborah was saying Okay. about just one thing about the uh, rats and the way they've been exposed. I said Ted Cruz reminds us that politicians don't have to be POSs. You know, they don't have to be these evil rats. Uh, that's why the GOP is infuriated with them. They want us to continue expecting nothing from them, nothing. And Ted Cruz changes that. I mean, he changes the yep. paradigm in that sense. He does. Definitely. Because now we're we're, we're, we're going to start to expect something, at least from some politicians. The other ones have to be – they have to do something about it. They have to. They have to challenge him some way. Well, I'm better than him, and this is why, you know, even if it's BS. Good luck. I yeah. mean, ser- seriously, good luck. Thank you, Deborah. I'm going to go ahead and, and jump to another caller. I appreciate you calling in, and I hope you do again. We are gl- always glad to hear from you. Let's see who we have here. Who's this, please? Hi. Hello. Hi, this is Craig in Oklahoma. Hi, Craig. Thank you for calling in. What can we do for hi, you? Uh, uh, hi, Bosch. Hi, Tammy. We've interacted a little bit on Tammy. Twitter, not very much. Um, first of all, as far as your mention of Chris Christie, he's a non-starter. We don't have to worry about him. I'm very confident predicting that. But what I mean, even with Ann Coulter and all these other people behind him, there's a lot of people he, who want he's Christie. He's the establishment's guy. You know, and I, I mean, don't think at this time he could. They, I don't think they, they, they can get away with a third well, loser. Well, and, and you know, I, I don't mean if it, I don't know if it means anything, right? Shortly after the cloture vote this morning, I, I was on Twitter, okay, and Breitbart just spewed out a whole bunch of links to stories, and one of the stories that Breitbart spewed out was one about. Chris Christie has crossover appeal. 30% of black voters like him. <laughs> it's like, see, Ted Cruz failed, but Chris Christie, <laughs> he's the guy. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't think you can dismiss Christie as being pushed by the establishment so quickly. I, I think that there's a, a, great, a great shot that Cruz can beat him in. And I, I actually, I did see another story where Cruz supposedly has shot way ahead in the polls. But that's, it could be a, a short-term thing. We've got a long-term battle to say, look, we want somebody principled like Cruz. We do not want 
a Democrat in Republican clothing or whatever, like Chris Christie. So oh. I'm sorry, Craig, I, I'm just going on, but I, I don't like Christie. And, and at the same time, you know, so I agree with you. He's, he's horrible and he, and he shouldn't have a chance. But I, I don't think we can dismiss his prospects so quickly. Well, okay, again, that's not the main reason I called, but let me finish my point on Christie since it got you going a little bit. Uh, uh, I'm very confident in this prediction. Uh, You're right, he's horrible, uh, and you're right, his horribleness will come out. Uh, There are enough uh, gun rights people in the United States and enough people who will get incensed at how he has embraced people who can be taken as uh, pro-jihadist uh, that I really think he's a non-starter if he, if he tries to run for president. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. Okay. My main point is that I, I think you made a really, really good point earlier uh, about what Senator Cruz accomplished on the Senate floor in exposing a lot of the slimy behavior and maneuvers. And the reason that struck me when you said that was because it's exactly the same kind of thing that got Rush Limbaugh nationally famous more than 20 years ago, and Republicans still haven't learned. You know, uh, lessened spending increases are called spending cuts. And there are various floor maneuvers, and people can vote for omnibus spending bills, but against a certain procedure, and they can go back to their districts and claim whatever they want. And Limbaugh exposed that more than 20 years ago. Republicans haven't learned. And Cruz did it the other night on the on the Senate floor, and I think he was great. No, he, he was truly, truly excellent. And, and I think also he is, you know, even though the Senate, I guess, is just out of touch with reality completely, yeah. I'm hoping that the fact that the House is on a two-year election cycle, that that keeps them yeah. more in touch with their constituents and the harm that this legislation is doing to their constituents, yeah, the they, they know that they're going to be facing reality via their constituents a lot sooner than the Senate. Maybe that's going to give us some hope of the House, you know, holding the line here. What, I mean, what do you think, Craig? What's your prediction? Well, as far as what you just said, this is one example, and it's a really good example, where uh, the Constitution and facts on the ground are pretty much aligned. You're right. The the House has a two-year election cycle, and one blip of bad news can blow a decent candidate out of the water or get uh, a rotten candidate elected. So these guys have to keep their noses to the ground, whereas the Senate uh, – the Senate – I'm sorry. You know, you, you, they can call it the world's greatest deliberative body, but it is basically mm-hmm. occupied territory for big government people. Yes. That's, I mean, that's definitely what we've seen today. Their state is left and right. You know, if if these guys weren't hypocrites, then we should have seen a 79-19 vote, I guess the other way, the flip (laughs) flip the other way, because you have to think about this. So they, you know, they, they later voted on the amendment to the continuing resolution that would strike the language defunding Obamacare. So basically they had an amendment to fund Obamacare. If the... Republicans were voting consistently, then you would have seen a 79 to 19 vote, right, on that one as well. 
And we don't, of course, you don't see that. That was a vote along party lines. That's what happened. So they want to pretend that they're against funding Obamacare when in reality, you know, we saw exactly what the crucial vote is if you were against funding Obamacare. And that was a cloture vote. And they caved totally. It's just indicative of the contempt they have for the constituents, for, for Americans, for America in general. For truth. For truth. For reality. For human oh, life. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, defund McCain, I've been saying. Yes. You know, right, right. Sammy, my last point, you mentioned Pope. Amy. Actually, this, this is Amy. Be- this is Amy, by the way. I have I mean, Amy, I'm to- sorry. I'm sorry. No worries. No worries. I, I am not, I should not at all be offended for being uh, confused with Tammy Bruce. I've guest hosted for her. I, I definitely love everything that she does. So uh, go on. Well, sorry. I apologize anyway. But Amy... Uh, You mentioned hope, and I think you're absolutely right to hold out at least some hope because you have people like Inhofe and Rand Paul and Enzi uh, who don't entirely agree with Senator Cruz, and they backed him when he was on the floor all those hours. And uh, I think that's entirely a good thing. Excellent. No, I, I agree. They aren't as good as he, except for Mike Lee. I think Mike, Mike Lee seems to me about as good uh, as Cruz. Is better. Cruz. She's a little more charismatic. Sure, sure. Cruz is you know, better. But I'm, is. I'm, I'm just, in terms of content as well. Oh, yeah. And not content, they're on par. But uh, but it is heartening to see. I mean, you know, there's if there's 19, I mean, excuse me, 18 who are backing him, there's 19 including him. That's something. Yeah. That is something. Exactly. Exactly. So, and with that, I'll I'll log off i'll let you get back on with your show but i agree with you about the hope it's slight but there is hope yeah th- talking, thanks craig. very much for calling in craig and hopefully we'll talk again one second I'm, about about, about yes yeah, yeah, sure come on about if ted cruz is 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 the guy right yeah you know what just just take a call oh you missed I'll it I, I played it what no at the very beginning i already played it the what the, the, I'm, he, the guy. I'm the guy yeah <laughs> uh, sorry you, really? you missed it i'm sorry that's hilarious so which cruise is the guy? We know which cruise is the guy. Yeah, it's is not it's not Tom it's Cruise. Not Tom, it's, 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 it's Ted Cruz. It's Ted Cruz, that's all. Yeah. But that's that was funny. by the way, I, 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 I do recommend that movie Night and oh, Day. It's fun. It is fun and it's cute. Absolutely fun. Tom Cruise, Scientology, Wacko, what, Crazy, whatever, whatever it doesn't he was, matter. He was, he was very good he was in very that good. movie. Very good, it was very entertaining. Yeah, excellent. Let me try to answer this uh this call again and see if their audio's working. Hi, who's this? I think I can hear something now. Hi, this is Sarshak from New York. Hi. Hey, Sarshak. How are you? Hi. Well, I I wanted to thank you both for the show and um, especially the fact that um, you're concentrating on uh, Ted Cruz and uh, on the positive outcome of this. Uh, uh, I I was listening to um, uh, his speech, uh, fragments of it, and I was really ecstatic to hear um, quotes from uh, Atlas Shrugged on the Senate floor on live TV. And, uh, it w- it, w- it was almost, Arshak, Arshak, wouldn't you say that was almost surreal? Yes. For, for someone who has been a Rand fan for so many years and is used to Rand being dismissed and Certainly, you would never think getting or, attention in a in a in a very visual public, I mean, visible or, public or forum. Or if there are like any that. fans of Iron yeah. in Washington, they're closet fans, and whereas where yeah, Cruz exactly. is just out there. Yeah, I mean, what wasn't yeah, that kind of surreal to you? Well, it, it was surreal until I heard it and I saw it, and then it became real. And and um, now that it's real, um, I, I agree with the previous callers and with you that. 
there is a spark of hope um, uh, for the future, although there was only one speaker. But I wanted to make one observation that 19 senators um, voting um, uh, to, to, to defund, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, 19% of the Senate body. And if you look at the website to defund uh, Obamacare, there are only oh. about 0.5% of the population uh, voting against it. So um, the Senate is doing better than the populace in, in proportion statistically. Um, so yeah. In, in, a, in a sense, we, we need well, to okay. focus. Well, okay, I, 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 I could throw a different statistic at you, though. How about the 52% of the American public is against Obamacare? The majority, yeah, the majority. I, I, hope, I hope that's accurate. And it's no, that is. That is. That, 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 that's the poll it, this week. So I, I, I understand that it's a poll number. My concern is that um, I don't think uh, if people who think that they're against it, or they they assert themselves as being against it. I don't think they understand what's coming uh, into their lives with the passage of this uh, law. Um, They don't understand it um, well enough to be really vocal, to be really on the streets out there, and to really oppose this. This is going to be... Until now, the mixture was pretty much 50-50 in terms of freedom and coercion. From now on, it's going to be like 75-25 in favor of coercion. In in uh, healthcare so industry, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one thing, uh, no. Arshak, did, did you see? Did you see Rand Paul come to the floor? Yes, uh, at least once or twice I saw him come to the floor. Yes. Okay, well, maybe I saw him only come one time. He, he came twice. Well, I saw him come one time, and he immediately started bringing up the issue of compromising in some way. He asked, you know, is Ted Cruz willing to compromise and they could work with the White House? And I mean, first of all, I think that's horrible. It was was towards the beginning of the filibuster. Here's Ted Cruz going in it for the long haul. And he's saying, well, you know, by the way, would you compromise? And Cruz was great because he says, you know, if you play poker, you don't, you know, reveal your strategy. You may as well just fold. Or I mean, you know, I don't know poker speak, so somebody will have to correct me there. But you know, he had his whole poker lingo in, in you know, down pat and everything. But the um, this idea of bringing up a compromise right out of the gate, I thought was bad. And the thing I would have liked to see Rand Paul focus on in his contribution to this filibuster on Obamacare is something that he's really good on, and something that I'm particularly interested in. It's the privacy aspect. Obamacare is going to destroy yeah. any idea of medical privacy. You know, I just went uh, for a checkup thing yesterday, and they give you the little sign your privacy thing. And, you, you know, what do you do? What does that piece of paper mean? That piece of paper that you sign at the doctor's office basically means you have privacy unless the government says you don't, which it can do at any time right. on a whim. And that that's all that privacy paper means, and, and it's it's going to be worse and worse under Obamacare because it's not just, well, government policy does or doesn't want you to have privacy in a particular instance. It's going to be the corrupt and inept individuals who are in charge of managing those vast databases and the transmission of all that data all over the place. It is going to be a nightmare. It already is. I've, I've heard what tons of social security numbers and other personal data have already been compromised right. in this uh you know in this database of theirs. Top of the hour. We're hitting the top of the hour now. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're 
This is let me let me just do the little top of the hour spiel. This is don't let it go unheard. You're listening to Amy Peacock. I got cartoonist Bosch Faustin in the studio. We are talking to Arshak from New York about one, uh, one second. Ted Cruz. Arshak, uh, Arshak mentioned something about the coercion, 75 percent, and you said about uh, about healthcare. But it, as he was trying to suggest, it was across the board, across the country. Yes. You know. That's the that's the whole point. It's, it's not just for healthcare. It, through this, well, so not just seventy five percent within exactly. the healthcare industry. Through this, they get everything. Yes, exactly. I see. I see. I see. And I think both. I, I think um, uh, both uh, understood my implication. But that that's that's the point that I think needs to be vocalized and emphasized. That this is not a law that it's going to affect only healthcare, as you alluded to the fact that it's spreading to the, all the agencies, that privacy no longer exists, that you as a private entity, as a sovereign individual, no longer exists. You are now yeah. part of the collective. This, and until now it was like, implicit, but now it's going to be explicit. Now the government is going to say, well, look, you are a citizen of this land, and the law says that you belong to the government, and you have no say. You are our property, and, exactly. And October 1st comes in, you are no longer in the United States of America the way the founding fathers uh, founded. You are now in the United uh, Soviet States of America the way uh, Obama founded. I mean, you that's know, what he wanted to do. Yeah. Fundamental Fundamental transformation. He, he will he have achieved his fundamental transformation of the country. That's and uh, we weren't strong enough to fight it. Yeah. Uh, the, the opposition yeah. was not strong enough to fight it. They were weak, and they were in on it for the last, I don't know, how many decades. One one thing yeah, that it, it, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say that that's why I wanted to start with a thank you because I know that you've been doing this show for like a couple of years, right? And, uh, and 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 the other point is that I got more involved in public um, activism and stuff like that about a couple of years ago through starting a um, uh, New York Objectivist Society and and then this year. Um, Thanks to you, actually, you, you were the example for me, and you were the inspiration that I can do this also on, on Black Talk Radio. Got involved, but this is what we need to do: is that um, more of us have to get out there and spread the message. But more importantly, more of us have to connect together and really show a strong front. Because we by ourselves, we may be great, but Marx was absolutely right. They succeeded temporarily because they didn't have the right philosophy, but Marxists succeeded because they united. Proletarians of all, um, all, in in the whole world tonight worked for at least temporarily. Now, it's time for objectivists and the men who cherish freedom and liberty to unite against the oppressors, and that's going to be perennial. It's not going to be destroyed at least ideologically, only to force. And we have the capacity to build better protection to force and everything else, or against force. So right, right. We've we, we got to stand together. Well, and, and so I think that's bringing it back to that you are happy that we're doing the show about Ted Cruz in the sense that we are yeah. provisionally at least 
from everything that we've seen now, we're supporting this guy. Yes. I think he's one of the good yeah. guys. I think I think Levin with his Liberty Amendment right. strategy is is one of the good guys. Even though fellow travelers, we, yeah, they're fellow travelers. They're fellow we, travelers. we may disagree on certain issues, but you know, they Cam, love the Cam, I mean, Cammy they, Bruce, Cammy Bruce is excellent on so you many. You know, issues it comes well. down to the point. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's simple. I think Patriots and then and then the uh, anti-Americans because the, the Patriots we can agree on a lot of things. We all love the country. We all love what it stands for. We all love freedom. Yeah. That's a big connection right there. I mean, through that alone, we can actually get a lot of allies. It's 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 Tea Party ish types. You know, people who identify with the Tea Party, we will typically have a lot in common with, and we can try to explore relationships to work together to try to take back the country for the be, principles on which it was founded. I mean, we need again. We're what's the goal? The goal is to have a government that actually protects our rights. And as yeah. I said, watching Ted Cruz this week made me believe that we might actually see that within our lifetimes. Whether we actually can, I, I don't know. But I, don't, that's, I, I don't think he's a blip. Yeah. I think he's going to inspire. I think he will inspire people to actually enter Washington even, enter that hellhole, and try to flip it. We'll right. see. Right. Anything else, Arshak, before we go on? Uh, no, I just want to thank you for doing your work, and um, uh, hopefully we'll see more pet cruises out there. Um, yes. In the in the light of officials, and uh, uh, we'll give them all the support that we can, and um, hope for the best. Well, th- and thank you for doing yours. And uh, I'll I'll come out if you want me over to the New York Society and, and talk to you guys. So let me know, okay? Oh, anytime, please. I'll be honored. Thank you. Excellent. Let's let, let's talk about that. Thanks. You, thanks very much, Arshak. Uh, one thing, like that, sure. about about those who said that he's he was just showboating, it was all theater, all that crap, right? I wrote, I said first he'd have to get the, you know, it, basically they said he only did it to run for, to to become president and right because that's what they would do. I said first he'd need to get the GOP nomination, and there are far easier ways of doing that, you know, look at McCain and Romney. I said, and he would also, you know, he also would be kissing <laughs> kissing GOP but not kicking it. Yes, he went after the GOP like no politician since I think Reagan, and you know, you know, there's there's one thing that they attribute to Reagan: uh, never speak ill of another Republican. Please, he spoke ill of government of Washington, meaning at large about individuals. That you know, I mean, they don't get into that. Maybe Ted Cruz is following his maybe lead he is. Maybe he is. on that in terms of not singling out yes. particular individuals. Right. When he's, when As he's, in, they will come all at me individually. I will go right. all at them collectively. Because they're all in on it. You know, let's go ahead and tackle some of the the haters, the Ted Cruz haters here. And Bosch earlier today was trying to educate me as to how to pronounce this name. <laughs> it's John Pudhorts. Pudhorts. I think it's Pudhorts. Well, it's, it's like Pudhorts. Pudhorts. Yeah. Okay, I tried. Um, and sorry, <laughs> th- there have been some very respectful writers who have been absolute hacks in response to to a Cruz. It's pretty sad. It really is because you know the, the, these guys are the guys who get into the mainstream media. These these concerns like Charles Krauthammer, George Will, others. I mean, they're just they're, they're the, the response is pathetic because they don't know what to make of it. They're like, this is not my. We look at this and it's surreal to us to an extent it is, but until you see it and you embrace it, these guys are rejecting it. Like that's not the way politicians should do it. They should do it like it's been done. Really, because that because that has worked, right? That, I mean, that has how, worked. how dare anybody actually come into the Senate, do what he promised, and call <laughs> everybody else out on exactly. their hypocrisy? Look, he's, I mean, he, again, he's a living, breathing reproach. She walks in her halls and like, oh, my God, this guy is making me feel like a piece of crap that I am. No, I mean, that's, that's how they feel. They feel like a piece of crap, which they are. Right. And he exposes that. 
and I, I think he exposes it not just to politicians, but to everyone who yes. doesn't stand up for what they truly believe, yes. who doesn't fight at every yes. turn. Yes, which is why some of these commentators, some of these commentators have can't sold out. They can't Somewhere, some way, yeah. somehow they sold out, and he's a reminder of that. They're like, God damn it, I didn't have to sell out. Like Juan did, you know, in the Fountainhead. Right. He never had to sell out. And there's an absolute rage about that, an inner rage, a self-hatred that they can't overcome. And when they see this in their face... So they just have contempt, dismissal, casual contempt, you know. Well, oh, no, it's, well, well that, that's quaint, but it's going to fail. You know what, they you know, claim to, to the hate best. him. They claim to hate him, but they actually envy him. You know, he's stuck by his guns as a politician in Washington today. Right. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. Yeah. He's a freak compared to them. The the opinion piece by John Puthertz, if I pronounced it correctly, is who else does Ted Cruz's triumph help? Oh. That's the headline. So the implication is it helps only Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz uh, is just in it for right. Ted Cruz. Yeah. One okay. point. One point I want to make is if you okay. First of all, pol- politicians. I mean, nobody should want a career as a politician oh. in terms of oh, I have all this power over people and I'm wielding government. What kind of self hatred does that require? If you're going to be a politician, then you should be out for the American people. So I don't see that there is a dichotomy myself between right. what Ted Cruz says. If if it helps Ted Cruz, that's good. But if it helps Ted Cruz, I believe it's because it's going to help the American people. The American people see that, and therefore they vote for Ted Cruz. Why is there this? Oh well, it only helps him, but it doesn't help the American right. people. No, how a politician shouldn't be able to help himself and not the American. That's what Obama does. Also, but in this they, case, that's not what Cruz is doing. They couldn't wait. Wait, say today, Ted Cruz lost. No, 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 America lost. America lost by those rats voting the way they did. We lost, and we, the fight's not over. Right. But today we lost that vote. He didn't lose. He fought it. He fought his ass off. I mean, he went out there for 21 hours. I mean, and, and also he didn't talk about himself. As much as talk about ideas through and through and through, Ayn Rand, the Founding Fathers, books. I mean, he just went off. I mean, he did it all the way from the abstract to the very concrete. Yes, exactly. So right. he had, which, which was great. He had individual anecdotal yeah. evidence yeah. that this legislation is destructive of human life. He had the abstract moral principles. <laughs> Oh, we're laughing because State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says it's pronounced Puttshoritz. Perfect. That's it. Puttshoritz. Yeah. Oh, very nice. But uh, anyway, from the very, very concrete anecdotal evidence that this Obamacare legislation is destructive of human no. life, it is poison incarnate. That's what it is. Okay. Sorry. And then, sorry. So and then all the way Obama to said the, that the, the, the Republicans are poisoning Obamacare. Obamacare is poison. How, how the hell can you poison poison? Huh. <laughs> They're providing the antidote, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, all the way to the very abstract ideas on which the principles of proper government are based, which is morality and productivity, right? I mean, he talked, I mean, if, you know, I don't think he connected the dots maybe as eloquently as he could have Honestly, 13 we, hours we or whatever in his filibuster. As, we can right? nitpick till but, the end, but man. But if, you're, if you're talking about productivity, productivity is required to support human life. Productive endeavors are the things that need to be made or protected 
not made possible by government because, again, you know, as much as Al Gore wants to say he invented the Internet or Obama wants to say you didn't build that, it is individual human beings who create things, who create values, and they do it through their productive activity, through the work of their mind, which is what Ted Cruz was talking yes. about, okay? Yes. Which is what is government's job? Government's job is to leave people free to engage in this productive activity so human life is possible. Be a, be a referee. Let, what let, is our let government do doing? What has our government been doing for over 100 years now? Literally 100. At every turn, they are applying force and impinging on that productive activity. Yep. They are making it less likely that people can be productive, less likely that they can live moral lives. So talking about productivity and morality on an abstract level is, is perfectly germane to this. So he went from the very abstract to the yeah. very concrete. Awesome. And uh, it was a tour de force. It was. I mean, it was, it was a tour. And, and concrete also in terms of the legalities, the details about the legislation and what applied and didn't apply and how, you know, his uh, Obama's particular revisions of it happened and all these different things. He was yeah. a genius. He really was. Yeah. He, he was excellent. So, so there's that. So here is... Uh, we're gonna, we're, yeah, uh, Putz Horace, <laughs> as State Defiance in the chat room calls him, talking about Ted Cruz. And in the beginning paragraphs of this piece, he is so complimentary of Cruz. It's unbelievable. He says, Ted Cruz has proved himself the David Blaine of U.S. politics. He says, Hold on, the, hold on. No, David Blaine is not complimentary, is that no. right? No. Yeah. David Blaine is, I yeah, believe, 99.9% yeah. yeah. the magician who does these uh, freaky things. Right, right. So that's, that's what he's saying. Yeah. But then he says, he says, unlike Blaine, he says, Cruz seemed none the worse for wear at the end of his 21 hours. He says he didn't sit. He didn't go to the bathroom. The only relief he got was the occasional question that went on for a few minutes to give his throat a break. He said in the last hour, even as he said he grew weary, as his time against Obamacare was coming to a close, he found himself in a debate with the able and smart Democratic Senator Dick Durbin. Whoa, 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 yeah. The smart and able yeah. Democrat Dick yeah. Durbin? Yeah, that's what he said. That guy's a slug. He's, he's a slug that Cruz swatted. Cruz said he wouldn't answer Durbin until Durbin first replied to three questions Cruz had posed. Durbin, with an aha gesture, responded by saying it was clear Cruz was simply refusing to answer his embarrassing question. And then, as Poderitz is uh, mentioning here, he says he walked into Cruz's trap because Cruz said, no, Senator, he says, I'm eligible for the congressional plan. Because that was, you know, Dick Durbin, he says, you have the same cushy plan that we all do. And he says, yes, I'm eligible for the congressional plan, he says, but I'm not enrolled in it. Ha, ha, gotcha. <laughs> it was excellent. It was Awesome! It and, was genius. And Turbin, did he run like a rat, or what did he do? He sk he skittered away, or what did? He do? Well, the way the way Puthertz puts it here, he says that uh, Cruz squashed Durbin like a bug. That's funny. I call him a slug. I yeah. Mean, so bug slug. Yeah, but yeah, sl yeah. A slug is more 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 Turbin like. Slug. I'm trying to think of which one gives me the creeps more, a bug or a slug. I think a slug. A slug. A slug would give me the yeah. 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 I get that, the, like the shiver <laughs> thing. I can see a picture of a bug and get the shivers. That's how grossed out I am. I think the slug would be worse. So he says, all in all, and then he, this, this is when he starts to come in and, and attack Cruz. He says, the Cruz performance was great political the theater. Performance. You understand yeah. the performance theater? It was a performance. It was theater. Uh, Cruz was maybe, astoundingly wait, maybe, impressive. Maybe right? pot words. Maybe smoking. Anyway, go on. <laughs> he could be, yes. Um, <laughs> um he says, if there had been any question before Tuesday about what a formidable presence he's going to be in Washington 
and in the Republican Party going forward, it has been laid to rest. You know, oh, he's great. He puts on a great performance. He's a nice guy. Makes me laugh. Is that what he's saying? But then he says, what did it do otherwise than showcase Ted Cruz's superstar performance? And then he goes on to say nothing, basically. And then he talks about how the strategy is going to fail and blah, blah, blah. But here's something that I want to draw your attention to. And the reason that my uh, attention was drawn to this article is because Greg Gutfeld retweeted a link to it from Britt Hume. Right. And both Gutfeld and Hume have been poo-pooing the yes, strategy of defunding Obamacare. You know? I mean, you know. Gutfeld, to his credit, in the last several days, has been an eloquent critic of Obamacare. Obamacare. And he even got in a quest, you know, a little comment on The Five the other day about how he thinks that, or actually yesterday on The Five, that he thinks the only proper functions of government are to protect us and security and that's it. What was his alternative to uh, Cruz's plan? Cause, you know, yeah, well, we talked about his what? alternative last week that he just wants to go after the IRS and go ahead and let and, the cancer take and, hold. And, and elect more Oh, yeah, elect, elect, more, elect, elect more politicians. More because yeah, that, that, that has worked. That'll work. So... But but here's the thing, right? And and for, you know, at, at the end of this column, Putheritz asks. He says the question is, why do Cruz and company, so all of us who defend Cruz, despise Republicans and conservatives, with whom they agree more than they do Democrats and liberals, who are working tirelessly to impose these policies? End quote. That's the question that he asks, and this is the thing I think that befuddles. Someone like Greg Gutfeld, who says, you know, why are you critiquing me? And, and and a lot of if you look at a lot of his Twitter feed, he's like, oh, you're being the bouncer for a certain group of certain ideology or whatever. Can I, can he, I he's say? been talking about that all on uh, yeah. And, no, and no, Bosch had an exchange with him too. I had a, I had a, I had a few exchanges with him because I've been very disappointed. I mean, I really have. I think his his position on Snowden was terrible. He called him a traitor. He called him a, a trying trying to be a rock star. Really limp arguments. And then about. About Ted Cruz, really weak. So I said, I said, uh, you know, in my email, and I said, you sound like a, a conventional Republican. That's not you. And he got back very defensively. We went back and forth, back and forth, and uh, I guess that's it. And that's fine because he's been so unimpressive. I mean, he basically has been on the verge for the last four or five years, on the verge of saying something brilliant, of saying something interesting, of doing something, of, of, of reading Atlas Shrugged, on the verge, and never has quite come to that promise yet, ha- has never fulfilled that promise. And he'll still be better than some of them. But man, he has decided to not take any solid position. He's maybe a Republican, maybe a conservative, maybe a liberal, maybe a uh, maybe a libertarian, libertarian. and yeah. he's nothing, ultimately. But he's a little more entertaining than than the old guys. But I'm very disappointed. The, in him. the, the thing that really disappointed me is is when they were first talking about the filibuster, the te- you know not really technically filibuster, but that's what I call it. First thing he says is, "Well, did he or did he not go to the bathroom?" And then the second first thing, thing. Yeah, first thing, yeah, the first thing is about what I mean. That's just cheap humor. To diminish when, when, when you talk about a spectacle. I mean, this is a rare spectacle for someone to stand up on principle of the floor of the Senate and to give such a tour de force performance. As I said, from the very concrete to the very yeah. abstract principles for 21 hours straight and do such a great job at it. And here's this guy standing up for his beliefs. Whatever, even if you disagree with him, I would say be more respectful than to talk about whether he went to the bathroom. Yeah. First thing. So there's that. Uh, then the next thing that he talked about was comparing the amount of media attention that this filibuster got to the media attention that the Texas pro-choice 
filibuster got. And then he was making, Gutfeld was making snarky comments about how the fetuses that are going to be aborted can't witness the spectacle of whatever in the future because they've been aborted because of this woman with the filibuster in Texas. Two things totally unrelated to what Cruz did, what right. Cruz accomplished, and even his colleagues on the five, you know, and even Dana Perino was much better wait, 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 and wait, more. Wait, wait, wait. Dana Perino. Okay, Dana Perino, much, uh, much better, more complimentary of of what Cruz has accomplished this week than was Gutfeld initially. Now, Gutfeld, like I said, he has been a really good uh, critic of Obamacare the last couple. Uh, segments without on five without an alternative argument to a cruiser, though. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize his strategy, have your own. Well, his, say exactly what his, it is. He had a strategy. Elect his, more Republicans. His, no, no, and it's also to go after the IRS, the enforcement arm, as if that's gonna do anything. No. You know this. I don't know. It, it, it's it's very hard. Anyway, let me let me get back to this point. Okay, let me get back to this point because the question that they're asking is why do we despise? Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, whatever these people call themselves, who agree more than they do with Democrats, et cetera. We, we don't despise them, first of all. I think despise is the wrong word. Uh, some of them we might despise, right? If they're really disgusting and McCain, horrible and they call themselves right. Republicans, yeah. but they're not even close, okay? But the ones who are better, and particularly a lot of the commentators who aren't politicians whom we followed, they disappoint us. Yes. And we are very upset about it. Why are we so upset about it, right? Why are we so upset with these people with whom we share so much more in common, with whom we share so many ideas, positions on political issues, et cetera? Why are we more upset with them? Why are we spending this energy on them? Why? A, because they have a chance to help us defeat the evil. Yes. B, they've come so far that they should know Better. We feel they should know better. Absolutely, and if, they do. If, and a lot of, if you think somebody some of them should absolutely know do better, know better. Yeah. Some, some of them do know better. Yeah, they're just playing dumb. They're being populist. I don't know what they're doing. They're again, certain people hold certain uh, like a, a Gutfeld. He was against the Ground Zero Mosque, proposed a gay Muslim, you know, uh, bar. Uh, uh, remember that? I called Akbar and all that. Yeah, and you know, he was on the verge of sticking to his guns with that and fell back and just stopped. And for whatever reason, there are numerous reasons, but. You got to go all the way, and he didn't. And that's why I think when Cruz goes out there for 21 hours, it's so impressive. It's such an epic thing to see in today's world that they get run over. You know, they are shown to be as in, as insignificant as they actually think they are, and that's just to me to them that's probably unacceptable. This guy stuck to his guns on right. that level against everyone right. in Washington. Right. Uh, that's not. Uh, but you know. but don't don't you agree with my point though? Is that the answer to Potthart's question here is that the reason Absolutely. we are so upset with Absolutely. Republicans yes. or so-called libertarians or commentators, the whoever, whoever these people, whoever these people are that share so many yep. of our values, is that we are so disappointed. We feel, in a sense, betrayed. We feel like yes. these people should know better, and it's not. It is not about. Oh, we want to pronounce whether you can be a libertarian or whether you can be a Republican or this or that. Now, there are certain core things that Republicans, you know, they purport to stand for that any of the Senate GOP who voted for closure this week, I think, have violated. Yes, okay, so I think absolutely. I think there's you know certain basic things, but beyond that. I don't have this purpose of saying, oh, you're either in my intellectual ideological club or you're not. No. I, I I agree with Arshak that. It's not that I'm trying to eat. I don't want to convert Ted no. Cruz even to an atheist or whatever. No. I want to find 
people who agree with me that the, gov- that the government's job is to protect rights and that they want to focus on the issues of reducing the size and scope of the federal government, the overreach of federal government, particularly regulation, into our lives. And I don't want to get myself allied with the people who are going to push all these social issues and abortion and things like that. They can have whatever beliefs they want. We're not going to agree on everything. But I will get disappointed when there's these people who purport to be against socialized medicine, and especially if they're going to go back to their constituents and say, oh, I voted to defund it. I mean, this is the thing that I liked with Ted Cruz. He's saying, uh, first of all, you're voting for politicians to get exemptions from this horribleness that average Americans are not getting. He is pushing issues of basic fairness as between the so-called ruling class and us. Time and again, he's pushing that issue. And then he keeps pushing the idea that this, and this is true, so many of them have said that the end game is socialized medicine. Cruz knows that the majority of Americans do not want socialized medicine, at least not now, at least not till the Common Core gets to the As Jerome Brooks said on the Peter Schiff show the other day, it was designed to self-destruct Obamacare. Then a government comes into the rescue. You know what? Uh, we got to go full payer, you know, full single payer. That's that socialized medicine. That was the goal. Uh, this might be along with what you're saying. I don't know. I, I tweeted the other day, uh, today. I said, if you always expect evil to win, then you will, in your own passive way, allow that evil to have its way in the world and with you. These people have not are not fighting against evil. They're not fighting on the side of the good, fighting the evil. They're just sitting back, say, you know what? I don't agree with what he did. That strategy is not good. That's insignificant. They say, what this guy is doing, this is important. At this time, at this age, we are on the precipice, America. We are on the precipice, freedom or tyranny. We are there. And these guys are playing word games and saying, well, this guy is, you know, I don't don't like the way he did that, his style. Are you kidding me? This is a make or break moment. Right. And and here here is Ted Cruz, right? And he is using his agile mind. I mean, we, we know from watching him for 21 hours that this guy's got a brain on him, okay? Alan Dershowitz, yeah. who himself is a liberal, yeah. and you can say he defended O.J. or whatever. Semi, yeah, but, the, the, the fact wait. that he defended O.J. shows what a liberal the guy is. I've watched Dershowitz give a class at Harvard. He's an excellent teacher. He's also, and he evaluated Cruz as being one of his top students. He says uh, one of the sharpest he's ever come yeah. across. This guy has a sharp mind. Now, what did Cruz do with his sharp mind? Did he sit back and go, oh, well, let's talk about this political strategy <laughs> right. for how to win elections and blah. No, no. He said, I've been elected to do a certain job. That job is to do whatever I can to stop Obamacare. I'm going to use my mind to figure out by what political process, like within the actual procedures that are available in the House and the Senate, by what political process could I stop Obamacare before it's implemented? Oh, here's the one that I see as possible. Well, how could I make that happen? Well, here's step A, here's step right. B. I mean, he's telling you, right? Yeah. So he is a strategist, but he is an unabashed strategist about what could possibly be done. Yes. Not about, you know, oh, I mean, how do, how, do you, how do you win the hearts and minds of American people? By doing what you promise. You're going to do that they want you to do. That's it. And he's figuring out how to do it. And also. And he's doing everything that he can to do it. And and tell me, I want to know what he was drinking that night. Whatever. I'll have what he's five, five hour energy. I don't know what it was. I, I would like to know. He I said, said time he took and again, very, I'll have what he's having. Very few sips of water, only when he had to. He did that. Uh, it depends on whether he wore it. It depends. But, but um, 
he's the only guy I think since Reagan who has a very healthy suspicion, if not contempt, for government at large. Reagan was the last president who mocked government, made fun of it. He got you know the American people loved that because we all agree he's very American in that way. That's the American spirit to put up government in its place to realize its 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 importance to some extent. Period, but nothing more than that. And to realize that the non-essential government is just that, the non-essential government. And the essential government is, is what the government actually is. And Cruz has uh, connected on that level. He has told us, I'm one of you. Uh, this is a madhouse here. And I'm trying to bring some semblance of reality, a reminder that these guys are supposed to be your representatives, as I am. And they can't stand that. Because they said, we got a good game going here. Come on, you know. We can come into Washington not rich. We can leave rich. After 10 years or 20 years, whatever it is, these guys have been having a, a, a ball at our expense, and uh, it attracts evil rats. I mean, it, I mean, it just has. I mean, it's the majority of them are evil. The majority of Washington is evil. Right. And this guy comes in there, and he challenges them. And of course, he's going to get it more than anyone. And, but when we see this, I mean, I just, you know, I do get choked up, you know, hearing him read Ayn Rand. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unexpected. Uh, if anyone wasn't going to do it, even if, if I heard a few months ago, if anyone wasn't going to do it, yeah, it, w- it would be Cruz, but that he did it. And so eloquently and with passion and conviction, he loved it. You know, he, you know, he loves reading the book. He probably has read or reread it again and again. Man. So where do we go from here? Here is something that's been proposed by Paul and that is also proposed by the. Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul, the senator from Louisiana. Tell me his name again. Which one? Uh, the, the the senator from Louisiana, you don't know the uh, one the one who stood up during the Vitter? filibuster. Vitter, exactly. Vitter. Vitter. Um, what they're trying to do is they want the congressman to be put under Obamacare as well. They want to introduce legislation uh, calling for that. So Rand Paul asks, why must the American people suffer when even so many Democrats don't want Obamacare? And uh, this is a, a, a opinion piece over at the Washington Times that Rand Paul just published. Okay. okay, And he says, uh, earlier this week, in an effort led by Ted Cruz, some of my Republican colleagues and I took to the Senate floor with the intent of making Washington listen. The American people have made it abundantly clear they do not want Obamacare. In fact, a majority of elected officials, the same officials that voted to implement this health care mandate, do not want it either. Uh, last summer, you know, Roberts wrongly concluded, he says, that the individual mandate would, could stand as a consequence of the ruling on October 1st. Whether they want it or not, Americans will be compelled to purchase a government-mandated product. Uh, what should infuriate you the most is the fact that the same elected officials who implemented this mandate have recently declared themselves exempt from it. That is to say these officials are forcing you to partake in something that they themselves are refusing. If Obamacare is so great, he asks, then why are federal employees and elected officials getting special treatment and opting out? If President Obama, Representative Nancy Pelosi, Senator Harry Reid, and Chief Justice Roberts love Obamacare so much, they should live under it. And he goes on. But as I understand it, what Vitter's amendment is about, Vitter wants to make it so that everybody has to be under Obamacare. And I would love to see... These politicians right. Come out there explicitly with vote yes. for what Obama, I guess, negotiated for these people behind closed right. doors. You know, uh, Durbin tried to catch Cruz on this right. issue and say, well, we're just getting the same subsidies everybody else is. First of all, American people are being put out of jobs because of Obamacare. There are employers who are reducing the hours and doing all these things. Um, and 
the other thing is employers aren't necessarily going to subsidize as much of the health care plan as they did before, percentage-wise. And what Obama negotiated, especially for, you know, the congressmen and their staffers, is that paid out of the public purse is going to be the same subsidy as before, percentage-wise, right? They can have up to 75% or whatever of their uh, premiums, no matter if those premiums have gone up. So congressmen are being sheltered from the blow of the increase in premiums in a way that the American public isn't being. And moreover, the American public, you know what, the the, the most shameful thing that I saw, and I'm stuttering now because I'm so upset about it, right, is that Bob Beckel was on the five last night and they were confronting him with statistics. And of course, he's watched Ted Cruz like everybody else, statistics about the loss of jobs, the loss of hours, the fact that some Americans are going to have to take two part-time jobs instead of one full-time job in order to support their families and how destructive this is of the American family, right? I mean, imagine going back and forth to two part-time jobs versus going back and forth to one full-time job and see how you keep your family together, right? Beckel's like, oh, well, that's not really a big thing. It's not really, you know, and yes, and yes, yeah. and Bowling, Eric Bowling was good because he says, Oh, so to you, if it's just a few people whose lives are destroyed, that's right. cool. Yeah. The, the, well, people will always be sacrificed by these rats. You know, this this more and more, and I, I hate even talking about this because this is more of a, a, an Atlas Shrugged spoiler. So people who haven't read Atlas Shrugged, close your ears for hmm. the next 10 seconds or so. But in Atlas, they realize everybody's goal was not life, yes. that it was death. And this is what I'm starting to Absolutely see right. from these politicians that they con- confronted with these statistics yes. about how it is literally destructive of human life, destructive of productive activity, destructive of the ability to live a moral existence. These guys say, so what? Here's one of the reps, Tim Peck, on the, in the chat room, writes, Carl Rove disparaged Cruz's reading of Rand, quote, I wish he had read less Ayn Rand and more of Republican values, unquote. That's Carl Rove. He's the architect of one of the worst presidencies of all time, this piece of crap. He's a big government hack. He hates uh, Mark Levin, uh, Ted Cruz, anyone that's worthwhile. And also, Ted Cruz demolished one of his candidates in, in Texas. That's probably why he feels it. Well, and you know what? Yeah, I was going to say, first of all, the, the uh, Cruz demolished his candidate. But Cruz is somebody that Carl Rove has nothing to offer. Zero. Zero. Cruz. Nothing. Yes. Cruz knows no influence. Stuff. No yeah, influence. No influence. Nothing. No. And he can't make him do or say anything that he wants him to say, say or do. That's why he's an independent agent in, in that sense. No one has any real power over him. They've tried it for the last nine months, eight months. Uh, you know, when new guys come in there, they try to break him in. They couldn't do it with Cruz. And if you try to break him, I guess you, I guess you get broken. He knows what he stands for. He knows what he wants. He unabashedly, unapologetically stands up for his values. And this is why when I was talking with Deborah earlier, talking about maybe Cruz will come around and be an atheist, I don't see that from no. him. I see somebody who is very firm in his convictions, whatever, and again, I'm going to say that he is inconsistent in his yeah. you know, belief in religion time, and his admiration for Rand's ideas. But at the same time, that dominates. I mean, clearly, religion doesn't dominate with him. That's a big sign right there. That he can admire Rand, read from Rand, talk about it, read from minutes and on minutes. That means to, to, the militia doesn't have the kind of hold that it does with some others. No matter if we see him, you know, uh, on his knees outside the White House today. No, no matter. Uh, so that that's telling as well. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah. so people are always reluctant. That's why you got a lot of conservatives and even Christians who are closet Iron Rand fans. Closet. He, he's clearly not in the closet about it. He's pr- He's proud of it. 
uh, Robert mentions there also goes, which I should mention earlier about uh, um, Paul Ryan running from Rand and uh, Cruz embracing her. And uh, uh, Robert echoes that. He says, compare Cruz's pride in Rand as compared to Paul Ryan, who backpedaled about Rand's influence in him. Absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and, it's and I just I just don't see him backpedaling or apologizing on things. And you know what? And but we may again. This is all provisional. Yeah, it, okay. you know, you always you always say like, okay, he's a politician, so maybe someday he's going to disappoint me. But I I've so far, I have not seen so anybody far, with this so firm good. conviction. He is a politician. That's why I can't go all in. I can't do that. He is a politician, but uh, I've been inspired to make a number of cartoons now with him. Check out my blog if you want. Uh, he's just uh, he's the best we got right now. Whatever kind of criticism, he's the best we got, and he's leading the way. And he's, you know, there's a leader in Washington now. The president is not is not a leader, you know. He's a he's a rat with an agenda. We have a leader in Washington now, and that's huge. That's a huge reality right now. It's like okay, a good guy is the only moral leader in Washington, in a place full of rats. You know, I've been this week battling people on Twitter here and there, and. Oh gosh, what do we got? Some big old bang in here. <laughs> my uh, my standard when I'm talking with people on Twitter is once they start just name calling and stuff, then I end up blocking yeah, them. Yeah, but I done. but I'll go back and forth with a uh, you know a little bit. And the defenders of Obamacare. Oh man, it, it is unbelievable the, the kind of stuff that they say. Soulless. So so uh, one one guy on Twitter actually tweeted to me. He says, "We want what you've got." We want what you've got. We want what you've got. That's we, a, you know, healthcare or whatever. That's it is. a mugger. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's a mugger on the on the street. Yeah. And my and my government's going to take it from you. Right, right. And, I, exactly, and I'll feel fine exactly. with it. Exactly. No, and that's why I say so. Oh, okay. Well, you know, excuse me. If you that want what so I've evil. got, then we just better all vote for government to point a gun at my head and, and make sure that I give it to you. That guy's, you that, know? that kind of immoral scum. I mean, that's that's what he's saying. Yeah. I yeah. want I want to take what you got, whether you like it or not. So there's that. And then there's this issue of uh, people talking about the fact that um, it, we're delusional, right? Delusional. It, it, de- delusional, us people who admire Ayn Rand and, and her ideas. And he, right, he says, you know that those books were fiction, right? Who said that? The, the, some some jerk Someone on Twitter. That? Some jerk on Twitter. So, and, you know, hashtag Wait, delusional. They were talking about we're, Obama's we're, books? We're, or? You know, they're talking, you know, but, you know, Atlas Shrugged is like, well, if, if it's a fictional book, his, you know, uh, I guess the implication was, if it's a fictional book, you can't learn anything true about reality in, in a work of fiction. You couldn't learn any philosophical no, principle. No. You couldn't see that fiction it's, it's as fitting, a portrayal kind of, of where we're going. No, but it's fitting or, that these right? kind of creatures defend the biggest monster in America, Obamacare. It makes sense. These little creatures want to prop up the monster. They're rats. They have nothing to say, and they like being devoured. It's like they get off on it. Yeah. And like, you'll be devoured too, and I like it. And you, you don't like it? Too bad. Well, and but think about this too. I mean, when, the, when he says, well, we're delusional because we're taking some lessons from Ayn Rand, and she wrote primarily fiction. Maybe he didn't even know about her nonfiction, which is whatever. And, and somebody else was arguing on Twitter against this guy saying, well, you know, she wrote nonfiction too. That is not the point. The point <laughs> is, is that we human beings are conceptual and we can read a work of fiction. <laughs> That's right. And, the, and that will help us to integrate in from integrate from our vast experience that we've had in life so far and identify principles that are either implied or explicitly named within a work of fiction, right? So a work of fiction can make more explicit, make more vivid 
and relive make terms. more essentialized yeah. things that are true in the world. And because we are conceptual beings, we can go ahead and appreciate that, take it from fiction, and see whether it applies in our lives. This guy is anti-conceptual, yes. and, 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 he, and he's just revealing it bare naked here on Twitter yeah. because he's, oh, well, that, that's fiction, so therefore you couldn't learn anything applicable well, to reality. Think about it. Anyone who thinks Obamacare is, is good is an idiot. I mean, they are. They actually believe it's good because the, the guys shoving it down our throats, they know it's bad. The politicians, Obama, he knows it's rotten to the core. This guy actually thinks it's, it's good. That's how stupid he is. Yeah. And that just tells you that these are the kind of people that Obama was counting on across the country. And in some way, it, ha- it has worked. It has worked, you know, which is sick. Yeah. So these people. Now, the thing that is interesting about this, you, you can't learn from fiction. No, if it's just yeah. fiction. I was tying that to this idea of the Common Core. And I wanted to mm. talk a bit about the Common Core today. I don't know how much time we're going to have to do it. But. In the Common Core, one of the provisions, and I don't know too much about the substance of it, but they want to have the majority or a huge chunk of the readings be so-called informational. 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 So the great works of literature, of fiction, are going to be be, de-emphasized in the Common Core. And I think they have this same idea that, oh, well, if it's a work of fiction, you can't learn anything useful that's going to help America get ahead in the sciences and innovation. You know, how are we going to train the next Steve Jobs if somebody is, you know, reading To Kill a Mockingbird or, you know, something? I mean, come on, because that's a work of fiction. How could you learn anything from fiction? That mentality. It's terrible. It's it's horrible. It's It's dominating the world right now. It's dominating Washington. Uh, you know, I'm not usually big in the battle on Twitter, and you know, I don't have that many Twitter. Feel free to follow me uh, over on Twitter, Amy Peacock. I don't have a whole ton of followers, but you know, there are people who do a lot of of tweeting all the time, and they tweet, you know, what they're eating every second, and things. I can't do that stuff. I, I tweet what I eat sometimes, though, if it's if it's noteworthy, like the sprinkles bacon cupcake. Okay, you got to do that stuff. But one thing I did get a real good chuckle out this week. You know, there's Steven Cruiser. He's a big presence on Twitter. And he calls himself a different name, I think, based on what's going on. He's been changing his name. And his name right now is I Clochered Your Mom. I Clochered Your Mom? Okay. <laughs> and just because cloture was such a huge focus right. of the week and he's just throwing it out there. I did I did laugh. I admit I laughed at that. Am I, am I bad for laughing no. at that? No, it's just not that funny. You didn't think it's funny? No. Oh, I thought it was kind of funny. No offense. I'm sorry. I mean, no, but he tweets. I, I think I stopped following him because some of the tweets is so redundant, so unfunny. Yeah, like, like I'm not okay. wearing pants right now, so isn't that cool that's a tweet? for America? I mean, that's worth no, tweeting. No, I know, I know. But I, I try to tweet things that I actually want to get out there. I mean, some some, some ideas. Yeah. I don't know. So so what is next now? The, the Republicans have an opportunity to disappoint us. We will see whether they do it or whether... As I mean, you know, I'm going to urge everybody again, and I've done it. I've posted it out on Twitter, on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page, on Facebook. Everybody needs to go. If you haven't done it yet, sign the petition. Don't fund it. Don't. I think it's DontFundIt.org.com. I forget which. But go there, sign that petition. Reward Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has put in so much effort. Like I said trying to push this one strategy that he sees as the possible way to stop Obamacare before it gets started. This is the only way. The rest of it consists of that strategy. I've linked to the article uh, at don'tletitgo.com in the program notes for today. Daniel Henninger says, what do you do? You let Obamacare collapse. That's their strategy. Daniel Henninger, is he? Okay, he's a Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal has been terrible about this. Terrible about this. Terrible about Cruz. They're terrible. Um, This idea, okay, 
Let it collapse. I I want to uh, basically uh, get HIV to see if it's bad for me. I mean, I just want to see what happens. Don't take any medicine. You know, I, I might die, but just to see. And then I'll, I'll try. Then I'll try to fight it. Once you implement Obamacare, it's over. It's over. Seventy years. This one guy from Britain uh, tw- tweeted me. He goes, yes, exactly. Seventy years, Britain. I mean, here here's when the they question. first pushed yeah. social life medicine, said, okay, well, it'll it'll collapse on itself. But no, it doesn't. Evil doesn't collapse on itself. Sometimes it does. But when it's being propped up by an all-powerful government, it can go on for and decades. Media. And media. Yes, of, of uh, course. A media it can of be disinformation like CNN. For a hundred years, it can be propped up. So you don't want to uh, – we don't need to feel Obamacare in order to see it's well, evil here, here, and destructive. Here, we don't need question. to be here's, in it. Here's their question. Their question is, well – Maybe this little bit of exposure to Obamacare is going to serve like an inoculation. You know, you're being vaccinated. You're being exposed to a little bit of the live virus, and then you're going to build up the immunity. And what they're counting on is that people, when they get this entitlement or program or they get enrolled in these plans and stuff, that it's not going to become entrenched like Social Security, like Medicare. Yes. Another good point that, they, ne- that they, uh, they did make a good point on the five about this. It was that you know Dana Perino. You know she she. Perino, come on. I'm I'm going to be nice to her. <laughs> um, Dana Perino was saying if you were to design, and she was talking to Beckel. You know to Beckel, even Beckel. If you were to design the Medicare program, the Social Security program today, would you design them the same way? And Beckel says, no, of course not. But once it gets entrenched right. a certain way, people could become accustomed to it. Cruz is right. Once this kicks in, once people are in it and they're receiving subsidies or whatever. It's, it's a reality. Yeah. It's a reality. And a lot of people, what? They don't, they don't, I don't I mean, I just, this idea that it has to be, we have to be thrown into the monster to realize it's bad. It's, it's, it's just, it's so Stupid. But that that's what Head Injury is betting on. And he and he's betting on the fact that because Well he's not doing right. there, there's okay, there's a couple things, right? So first of all, if it collapses, what happens? Exactly right. If it if it collapses if the government collapses, if our economy collapses, what well, happens? Well right. But if, but, but if Obamacare collapses before our entire country collapses, which is possible, I mean that it that it's gonna self destruct because it's just too unrealistic. Suppose it does. The answer that politicians always always come more in government. with is more government. Yes. Hey, that wasn't right. We'll just tweak it here. We'll do this there. I mean, you, even when you listen to somebody, um, you know, like different Republican candidates, I'm I'm actually blanking on the name of this Republican candidate right now, who just wants to tweak and make things more efficient and streamline all the time. Well, a lot of them think that. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the so, majority. Ma- so many of them exactly. do. And I'm, anyway, I'm just embarrassed right now that the name is, is, is uh, just escaping me doesn't matter they don't matter i don't i don't have 21 hours of ted cruz <laughs> that's horrible uh but in any event you know this they think oh yeah we'll just tweak it so i think you know controls breed further controls Rand talked about this all the time i think she was right what have they done you know with they have social security oh well that's not enough of a safety net because old people can't afford health care so then we have medicare Oh, well, there's poor people who can't afford it, too, so then there's Medicaid. Oh, and then they can't afford prescription medications. So Bush brings in the prescription Part yes. D or whatever yes. it's called. Yes. So on and on. Right. Controls beat and, and Obamacare control. is just the latest in yes. that trend. And the biggest. I mean, really, yeah. really, this is it. This is the, so, the, the last of the statists, you know. They know this is the big kahuna. They yeah. get this. That, that's that. So when this collapses, it's right. either going to go one of two ways. It's going to go right to single payer. 
Which is which is what their which first is, goal was. Which is their stated And Harry Reid explicitly came out and said yeah. that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And they quoted him. Yeah. This, I mean, this is just incredible. Or, or Henninger, right? He thinks that America America is different than Britain and that we'll never accept we were. a single pair of social We were different. We were different. Well, and, and this is where you get into the last topic, right? And, and the last topic is this common core piece, okay? And I've only started a little bit reading about the common core. Uh, a couple articles that Bosch sent me this week, actually. Thank you, Bosch, for sending these to me. One is from New American, and it says, Common Core, a scheme to rewrite education. It's from a while ago, uh, August 8th. And they talk about it's these new standards and how they're coming in first with standards just in English and in math, I guess because they think it's less controversial than the substantive standards that are going to come later, probably after the 2014 election. I presume we're going to start seeing the standards in history and social studies, as they call it, and all this stuff. And at that point, they're going to be rewriting history. They're going to probably be de-emphasizing education about the Constitution, all the horrible things that you can imagine that might get them kicked out of office. They'll do it after 2014. But, you know, the thing is they, they think that, English and math is going to be somehow uncontroversial. And like I said, this idea of taking literature out of instruction is, is horrible. So, for example, this is one of the common criticisms I'm, I'm quoting from the article. Leveled at the English and language arts common core standards is the emphasis on reading dry technical writing government documents and technical manuals, for example, as opposed to literary classics. They say at least 50% of reading assignments under the new standards will be, quote-unquote, informational texts, end quote. It is disgusting. First of all, you're going to bore the students. Students want plot, plot, plot. And students can learn things by reading fiction, as I've talked about Fiction is going to teach them concepts and principles that they can then apply to their lives, unless, of course, you're anti-conceptual like these people. These people think, oh, well, we want to be leaders in math and science, and, and uh, we want to you know, train the future leaders that can understand all the procedures in the Senate that are mind-bogglingly horrible and, and complex. Let's just give them a whole bunch of informational text. You're going to bore the hell out of them. You're going to make them hate reading and you're going to make them anti-conceptual like you are, which is perhaps what their goal is. What I found interesting is that 45 of the 50 states have taken the bribe, right? 45 states have uh, taken the bribe. So it says uh, only Texas appears to be standing firm against it with Minnesota, Nebraska, Virginia, and Alaska all reportedly flirting with various elements of the scheme. So when I read this, I said, aha, Texas is standing firm against the common core. Not that I think everything that all the Texas local governments is doing with their government schools is the best thing either. I agree with C. Bradley Thompson. Government schools have to go, right? But this is a much worse instantiation of government schools than we've ever had before, anything that's going to be governed by this common core. But they say, look, Texas is standing firm. Who is it that Eric Holder is targeting with so-called voting rights actions by the Department of Justice? Texas. 
Texas is saying, hey, we're not going to accept. The last bastion of freedom almost yeah. in, in the country. Of course I, I they mean, would go after it. I was tweeting out there, hey, if you guys can get me an academic uh, or a radio job out in Texas, I'm there. And, you know, you know ch- change the weather, though. Just you Yeah, know, it'd be yeah. nice to have a nice little bubble of weather insulation as That's well. It. But, you, you, you know, beggars you can't be choosers, right? Yeah. Uh, the economy's bad. The chance of doing that is, is pretty tough. But, you know, Texas, here they are. They are the one consistent holdout, apparently, about this core, and they are calling it the Obama core. And yes. it really is. It's yes. a takeover of education the yes. same way that Obamacare right. is a takeover. It's, of, again, it's the last gasp of these guys, and this is their move to really cripple us forever and with no point of return, you know, to the point of no return, where we can't come back. That was Obama's goal. Fundamental transformation, that's what it means. Wipe out the country as it was founded, and then we have Obama's America. That's it. Yep. That's that's what we have. So, you know, the fact that they're the holdout and that Holder is particularly department, you know, targeting the Department of Justice after them, it's just targeting Texas as the last holdout for freedom. I I don't know. And then, of course, there's the woman who was the pro-choice filibuster, mm-hmm. one who's going to try to run for governor of Texas. I hope she that's loses, yeah, even though she's pro-choice. Yes, that's, I mean, that's her claim to fame. That's that. She's a socialist. She's a Democrat. She's a statist. But you know what? I'll vote for her because she, come on, come on, that, that, that's a joke. It doesn't matter if you happen to agree with her on one minor issue. At least some people you know, think it's major, the major issue. It's not. It's not. It's one of those issues that, it is, that break up the country. It is an important issue. Yes, and, I'm not going to dismiss what I'm saying. Yeah. Is only to vote for her on that basis alone? That's pathetic. That no, is pathetic. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. I mean, you know, because politicians are inconsistent, we don't have an objectivist politician who completely Maybe her position is not rational. Maybe she's like, you know what, keep aborting Americans. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Maybe she's that kind of uh, anti-American. I don't know. But what I'm saying is to vote on her on that basis alone, that's irrational. That is irrational. That's not That's not right. It's like Obama. Well, now he's for gay marriage. That's that. He's, he's good. Vote for him. Let, let's go. Yeah, he'll destroy the country, but there'll be gay marriage there in the end, you know. I mean, it's just that's just pathetic. So what is my show today basically tell you that you have to fight at every turn, right? So we have to fight, of course, Obamacare. I admire Ted Cruz tremendously for fighting at every turn, not just fighting, as Greg Gutfeld says, the battles you think you can win, Uh. the battles that you have any chance of possibly winning within your strength and effort. That is what he is doing. The battles that you feel you have to win. It's not even that. I mean, the battles that you know they have to be fought. This has to be fought. And, and Ted Cruz did that. And, and unfortunately, our government right now is attacking our body yep. through Obamacare. Yep. And they're attacking our mind there, too. I mean, there is no mind-body dichotomy. But no. then they're attacking the mind directly through this common core the ch- education as well. And as you, you probably all saw the story in the news about the one parent who dared to stand up in a meeting yes, and object yes. to the Common Core, and then he got arrested, but later he was released and the yes. whatever. This is coming, and this is as bad or worse. We really need to also focus on the abolish, abolishing government schools and particularly abolishing federal control over this education. This is very under the radar, which is sick. This, this this Common Core. It's a very obscure website. So I think uh, Glenn Beck picked it up. Some others, but it's not on Drudge. It's not on the main page. This has to be big, because it is big. They want to cripple us from day one. They want to take out, wipe out our minds. Because right now we are government property as far as Obamacare is concerned. Now it's like, okay, wipe out the minds, make them uh, status voters. That's it. Let's maintain this whole thing from, from here on. And again, reading a, a government 
literature of some kind? I mean, what's it called the government government? Oh yeah, they want fifty percent informational text, which is going to put everybody to sleep. But government good, government yeah. good. Can I just read this one? Yeah, we've got a couple minutes left, and this is something you know. Leonard Peikoff, as you all know, if you know from his book The Dim Hypothesis, he is very pessimistic about the future of the country. Nonetheless, listen to this from Leonard Peikoff. This is from Leonard Peikoff on the Dim Hypothesis, uh, an excerpt. This is on the back cover, actually. Uh, the worse the coming future, the more it should be. It should motivate its opponents. The worse the coming future, the more it should motivate its opponents. If your beloved is strolling unwittingly toward the edge of a cliff and you are so far away that you very probably will not be heard, you do not give up, not if you really love her. You keep on running and screaming however much your lungs and your heart have turned to fire. You do it because rescue is possible, barely possible, but still really possible. The rescue of the U.S. is still barely possible, but not for much longer. And that's the point. You fight and fight and fight and fight and fight until you can't. And you fight at every turn that you can possibly stop the encroachment of the total state statism. Not if you can not only if you can win, you fight. You fight. That's it. Yes. And Tim Peck is right. Cruz demonstrated he's here in the chat room at Blog Talk. Cruz demonstrated that he is unwilling to compromise on a principle, and that is anathema yep. to DC politics. Absolutely. Yeah, so I say bravo to Ted Cruz. With everything I know right now, he is the guy. He's the guy. Now we've Ted got Ted Cruz is the guy. <laughs> he's the guy. He's the guy. We've got very few seconds left here. Uh, I'm going to tell everyone now. You can either leave a comment here on Blog Talk Radio, tell me what you think about the show, or you can go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, where you can not only comment but also find the program notes, links to all prior shows, some blog posts that I write now and then, etc. Every single way of following me and also a way to support the show is available over at don'tletitgo.com. But most of all, if you do enjoy the show, please spread the word. Go ahead and share it with your friends. This show spreads by word of mouth primarily. My mouth is only so big, and I certainly can't go on for 21 hours like Ted Cruz. Everyone take care. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk next week.